Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. So, uh, a few months ago, this starts with our general superintendents began praying together over the church. Um, Just like the local church, as we are coming out of a pandemic, we're all recreating things. We're all striving to find what the new is. And so our general superintendents began to pray together over the church. And then all of us pastors in the Nazarene Church Global began to pray. What is this is April, so March, February. All the pastors prayed together um, across the world. Um, for the Church of the Nazarene. And then this month, we prayed as a board together. So all the different church boards were supposed to be praying together. And then starting next week, it's a call for half a million people to be praying for the Church of the Nazarene. The direction of the global church, the directions of our local church, um, and everything in between. And so next week, we start that sermon series, Praying Our Way, Uh, to Pentecost. So I am so excited about that. Easter last week, man, what a wonderful gathering. Where did they all go, right? Do you know we had 103, Amy Jo, can I have pulpit lights please, ma'am? We had 103 people last week and I sat down to actually look at the names of who was here uh, compared to what they wrote down back there on attendance and then all the pictures that Thomas took. Can we give Thomas a hand? He, <laughs> I know I gave him kudos last week and he wasn't in here to, to get it. So I don't think he believed that I gave him a thumbs up for all he was doing. But let me just tell you, your first man back there, when everybody left, he sat down and he had sweat pouring down his temple. And he said, that was great. Let's not do it real soon again, though. (laughs) He was trying to take everybody's pictures. He was trying to make sure all the kids had those goodie bags. And then that wonderful rainstorm that kept you all inside. Um, I I told another pastor, I said, we had 103 people. And they was like, that's awesome. I said, yeah, except they couldn't get out the door at the end. And they all was standing in the hallway out here because everybody was waiting for that chance to run out the door. You know, so it was kind of crazy. Um, but it was so good. And, and when I'd done the, the look at the name, 70 people out of that list are our people, okay? So, like, we've been averaging 45, but there was 70 of you that showed up. That is so awesome. Let's continue to encourage people to get back in church with us, okay? Because uh, many of you told me after, after that service last week, it was just good to be with everybody. And it was. It was so beautiful. Thank you to all the volunteers. You know, Miss Pat just took kids to Children's Church. It took many more of you to make that happen last week because there was almost 30 kids back there with them in Children's Church doing crafts. So it was a crazy, crazy week. So thank you guys to everybody that made that happen. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 20. Oh, my dear church, it happened. I'm out of denial. I have bifocals on. I got them in the mail this week, and I was, you know, I honestly was hoping they wasn't going to work real good when I put them on. And as soon as I put them on, I went, oh, I really am old. 
And then I told Thomas later something was said about being old. And I said, I'm not old. And he said, you have bifocals. I said, well, when I need trifocals, that's when I'm old. I'm just going to keep raising that bar up a little more and a little more. <laughs> Who said thank you back? <laughs> no, I'm a Gen Xer. I am still in denial. I am not old, I tell you. So John chapter 20, verse 24. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Lord, this is your word. May it come alive today to change us because of who you are. In Jesus' name. So last week, we saw Mary at the tomb. And we talked about Mary uh, getting to see Jesus for the first time, and, and he sent her back to tell the disciples he was alive. Now, up above what I just read, verses 19 through 23, Jesus appears to the disciples to prove what Mary has told them. And the problem is, Thomas missed it. He wasn't there. Church, don't you, you know, I know you understand, don't you hate when you're watching the football game? And like you, you want to make that kitchen run, or maybe you want to make that bathroom run, but you're just waiting, you're just waiting. And, um, you know, you, you, you finally you think, I just got to go, I just got to go get a, another glass of tea in the kitchen. And you run to the kitchen really fast because nothing's really happening, like you're, you're frustrated at your team. But as soon as you're out of the room or your back is turned, what happens? Everybody starts screaming. You know you just missed the play that is the play that is the play. Right? And, and by the time you come back, they've quit playing the replay. And you're like, well, what did I just miss? Oh, it was the most epic thing. He threw the you know. Yeah, that's kind of what I feel like for poor Thomas here. He wasn't there, and he just missed one of the most epic plays in history. Jesus had showed up. And I don't know why Thomas isn't there, right? Like... I don't know, maybe he was out looking for Jesus. Maybe after Mary had came and told them that Jesus was alive, maybe he was out looking for Jesus. Maybe he was out running to the market because it's supper time and he's getting food. I don't know. But what we know is he missed it. Jesus showed up and he missed it. Now, verse 25, they tell him that we've seen the Lord. You know, they share their experience with Thomas. And these are the, the other disciples who he has spent the last few years with. He has watched all of these miracles with. He knows what Jesus is capable of because he's been there with them. He was there at the cross probably huddled in shadows to watch Jesus take his last breath. So these are not strangers. These are his closest friends telling him 
we saw the Lord. But now, let me ask you, when someone asks you a question and you give them the answer, and then they doubt you, does it make you mad? Like, am I the only one that sometimes will shoot back, well, what'd you ask me for? You know, like, I gave you the answer, and yet you're sitting here telling me it's not real, it's not the truth, right? So these are his people that Thomas should trust above all other people. And they say, we saw him. So Mary's already come. Mary's told him he's alive. And now they're telling him, we saw him. He says, I don't believe it. Now, of course, I'm not going to give him too hard of a time. Because when you watch someone die, it's kind of hard to override the science of what you know of death, right? Um, I kind of had a a short experience with this. I remember when one of my uncles passed away, my mom called me. She said, hey, you know, um, your uncle's passed away. And he had been sick for quite a while. But he had actually, you know, I don't know if he had had maybe a little seizure or if maybe he, he, because he had Alzheimer's, other things going on with him. So it wasn't a shock. She just was letting me know, Uncle Troy's gone. Okay. That was before we left. We was actually coming to church. By the time we got to church, she's calling again. And she said, actually, Uncle Toy's alive. <laughs> Excuse me, what? You know, I was like, Mom, okay, get the story. You know, I'm thinking somebody just told her the story wrong. What had happened, they, they did not have his DNR and they had resuscitated him, right? And, and put him on life support and they had to go through the whole thing of, of taking him back off again. But I mean, it, I could not help but think of these moments in the Bible when somebody has come back to life and it's like, whoa, that still happens? Like, you know, it was a little freakish for me. So I understand Thomas's thought process when he saw that cross. He knows. He knows when they put the sword in his side that water came out. That's, that's evidence that Jesus was already dead. He knew. So he couldn't wrap his brain around to even trust the closest people in his life. So what is it going to take for him to believe? Eight days. It took him eight days to believe the testimony. Have you ever witnessed someone to someone and, and, you know, you're blue in the face? and, And church, hear me. I want you to share your testimony as often as you can. Like, listen for the Spirit. That's something Scott shared yesterday. Listening for the Spirit to nudge you when is a good time to share your testimony. But I want you to also realize that there are going to be some people that just won't take your word for it. They're not going to understand what Jesus means to you in your life. They're not going to understand even even the most miraculous testimonies sometimes. There will just be some people that will not listen to that. And they're going to say, I don't don't believe it. I mean, how, how would we react when people would say, you know, here's Thomas and they're telling him everything and it's the truth and he says, no, I don't believe it. Would you get mad? Don't you get mad when people don't believe you, when you know that you know that you know that you know that you're telling them the truth about something? Do you argue with them because I'm right? 
And I know I'm right. Husbands and wives quit looking at one another. All right? <laughs> and quit double looking now like, yeah, she knows and she knows how you are. No, y'all stop that. But we do that. You know, when we know that what we have is truth, we're determined to make somebody believe us at whatever the cost sometimes. But I want you to notice, the other disciples did not push Thomas away, did they? They didn't kick him out for being ignorant in what they were saying. They didn't say, well, you just don't get it, so you're out of the group now. Eh. Right? No. Eight days they continued to walk with him, to let him be with them, even though he didn't believe. So can you imagine for eight days, like they're sitting around, they're probably excited, they're talking about it over and over, and he's like, how many times do we have to listen to this? Like, you got to stop, you know? But they, for eight days, they still lived together. They still did life together. Please remember that as, as you try to witness to people. They may not believe you. Still keep doing life. That was something Scott told us yesterday. You keep walking with people. And he told us several stories. What, what um, Gerald kind of alluded to, he, he, oh, he's a great storyteller. But he was telling us actual events from his life, actual events from people he's witnessed to. And, and the stories would range from a few months he might have witnessed with somebody and discipled them until they came to Christ. And then there's one that's three and a half years, the atheist guy, and he still doesn't believe, but they still have coffee every month and get together. And they're still walking together. So don't cut people out just because they don't buy what you're telling them. But why don't they trust in Jesus? Like, sometimes I'm frustrated because I'm like, do you know what he did in my life? Do you know what he set me free from? Do you know what he blessed me with? Why don't you want that? Because like Thomas, they'll say, I won't believe it unless. Fill in the blank. That blank is different for everybody. For whatever their reasons will be. I won't, I won't believe it unless um, I can understand where I'm going. If, if God will just give me some direction. I won't believe it unless um, I, Jesus does this. I won't believe it unless I figure this out. Whatever. I bet you have that person in your mind right now that has said those words to you. I won't believe it until... Maybe it's even you, by the way. Maybe you sitting here this morning, maybe you still don't truly believe wholeheartedly. Because Jesus hasn't done this yet. Some people will need their own experience with Jesus. There will be some people that we share the gospel with and share our testimony with, and they'll get it. Like, they're so ready, the harvest is there, and you're going you're gonna to get blessed by getting to lead them there. But there's just some people, they need that experience. Was it about touching the scars? Yes and no. You see, this is something I've kind of gotten stuck on over the years, thinking he just had to physically touch. Well, not necessarily. Like, that, that wasn't really what took place. And I think it was something Scott shared with us yesterday that made me, I had to come back and amend this part of my sermon because I thought, oh, I get that.
now. Because Jesus was what? Repeating to Thomas what Thomas had said. Did you catch that when we read that? Because he said, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound on his side. Now listen to what Jesus said to Thomas. Put your finger in here. And look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound on my side. You see, he was repeating to Thomas what he had said. That's pretty important because that means Jesus was present in that room when Thomas said it. The Spirit was there to hear what Thomas said. And, and when you look back in, in the passage before this, it really was not about the scars because Jesus showed his scars to the other disciples. So, you know, sometimes we give Thomas this bad rap of, well, he just needed the physical evidence. Well, obviously so did the other disciples then because Jesus had to show them the scars as well. So it wasn't about the physical evidence. It was about Thomas knowing that God heard him. Scott shared a story yesterday that was so... I was sitting there crying when he shared this one, Diane. And it was about a neighbor, a young couple that moved in near him and his wife during the whole pandemic and uh, back early in 2020. And they were young Christians and, and his wife and him began to kind of mentor them. And, and she asked one day, she said, would you pray with me for my stepdad? Um, you know, him and mom, they don't really go to church. And, and, you know, I know he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And, and he was like, yeah, we'll pray with you in connection with your stepdad. And it wasn't real long after that, she got excited, sent him a text, pray for my mom and stepdad because they're going to church with us this morning. And she said, after, after church that day, she, she texts and she's like, hey, can I come over? I really need to share something. So she came over and shared what happened that day. So they're in church, and, and you know, normally, again, this is stepdad. It, you know, usually mom would sit next to her anywhere they go. But for whatever reason that morning, her stepdad sat next to her. And during the service, there was a part where she just felt God tap her. And God just whispered, hold his hand. And she was like, well, it's my stepdad, by the way, not my dad. So that's... That could be a little weird, right? Has God ever asked you to do something that just felt awkward and weird? And maybe you even didn't do it because it did feel awkward and weird. And she kind of struggled with it a minute. Like, yeah, I don't know what he'll think about that, Lord. But she knew God was asking her to just, just hold his hand. So she reaches over, picks up his hand, and for the remainder of the service just held his hand. Soon as service was over, her stepdad looks at her and goes, Why in the world? Would you do that? And she's thinking, oh, I knew it was going to get weird. And she just told him the truth, though. She said, I just felt like God wanted me to hold your hand. He starts to cry. Because what she didn't know was going on, at that exact moment, he's conversing in his head with God, of like, you know, it's been a long time. I don't know if you're real or not. Like, I have my doubts. And you know what the issues are here, Lord. And I just don't know if you're real. But... Here's the deal, God. If you are real, make yourself known to me. At that exact moment, she grabbed his hand. 
And he told her, it felt just like God was holding my The church, what if we ignore those moments when God asks us to do something a little weird? Because you see what Katie's stepdad needed was just to know God heard him. And God responded in a way he would understand. Just like Thomas, Jesus repeated what Thomas had said. So it really wasn't about touching the scars. It was about hearing his own words. Have you ever done that? Has God ever spoke to you in such a way that you just knew? You know, I was trying to think of different things. You know, it's not always that common, but sometimes just to know that God hears us. And I remember this was a long time ago. I, I don't even remember why I was thinking this, and I don't know why I had put God to this test, but I, at some point, had said to God, you know, I really wish I had one of those, like, daily planner things, but at that moment I didn't have a lot in the budget to even go buy a cheap one, you know? And I thought, okay, God, it was kind of just sort of a funny word to God. Okay, God, if, you know, you can make, I, I'd read some devotional about God making something, you know, happen in somebody's life. Okay, God, give me a planner. I walked in here that very Sunday and Sandy Cook walked in the office and she said, hey, we got these planners at work and I already had one, would you? <laughs> like she had no idea. And is that not like the most random, I mean, but from that day on, I knew God's listening. And also, watch what you ask for, because you'll get it, and hey, throw some specifics out there sometimes. You never know. But, you know, so, it, it, and it was nothing to do with the planner. It was all about God taught me, I hear you. I hear you, child. So sometimes it's just about Knowing God hears us. It, it was not about the, the physical touch. And how do I know this? Because verse 29 says, well, great, you believe because you see me. Blessed are the ones who will not see me. You and I. We don't get to touch those physical scars, do we? But we believe. But I bet... If we all could remember back to that moment of accepting Christ, it's because we trust it. Maybe you did trust somebody that told you the story, but maybe God spoke to you in such a way that you just knew he was real. And you understood that, that he was listening to you. But now, what if it's our own loved ones that don't believe? What do we do? First of all, trust God. That's hard for mamas. I don't know about dads. Maybe you dads can give me a perspective of what you feel sometimes about trusting your kids to God, and your family, and your friends. Because as a mom, I want to fix things a lot. <laughs> and especially, hello, I'm going to be like those disciples. Listen to us. I... I tell my kids all the time, I've walked where you walk, whether you believe it or not. I understand a lot more of what you're going through than you think. But can I, can I share with you, where did Jesus find the disciples? 
behind locked doors. Where did Jesus find Thomas? Behind locked doors. It says, but suddenly Jesus appeared. You see, to us, to you and I, a locked door is a barrier. Something you can't get through. But to Jesus, it's not. There is no barrier Jesus cannot get on the other side of. So your friends and your family, they're locked behind closed doors right now. They don't want to hear what you have, really. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus can get behind locked doors. And think about this. Jesus could have appeared to Thomas the the day he showed up the first time, right? And they're like, you missed it. Because guess what? He heard him. Which tells me he was there. So he could have appeared at that moment. So we don't understand the why and the wait of eight days. There will be times with our family, our friends, people we are witnessing to, we don't understand why the wait, what is taking so long. Trust God. Keep praying for your family members. Keep praying that God reveals himself to them. And then trust him. You know, God whispered several years, and I I probably have shared this with many of you, that, you know, I was worried about my kids because I didn't feel like they're they're doing what I think they need to be doing, and now you know what I mean. God just reminded me, when you were their age, where were you? (laughs) I was lost. I was behind locked doors. He said, I found you. I know exactly where your kids are. And I'll find you. And that gave me peace. And I still struggle. Come on, mamas, you know what I'm talking about. I still struggle with them not being where I want them to be. I didn't raise you that way. What do you, you know? But I trust now. And I know right now in this time of of history, it feels kind of dark for the church. Because we do see a lot of young people leaving the church. But can I share with you... (laughs) There's hope. Let me just ask, if you have family or friends that you know they're not following Jesus, they're not in church, could you just stand up? If you have family or friends that you are praying for because they're not where they need to be. That is the reality. That is the urgency. That is why we don't get stuck doing the way we used to do because they don't want to do it that way anymore. You can have a seat. There is an urgent cry to reach out and connect with a generation right now. But God gave me the biggest hope this week. So you know I went out to see Brittany. You've seen the stuff on Facebook. We went to a concert, Chris Renzima. And he's a Christian artist. Uh, somebody, Brittany, just pointed me out, and, and we both fell in love with his music. He's a wonderful artist. And this is a little theater. I say little. I mean, it's just a smaller, older downtown district theater. And, oh, we've been pumped. Like, we've been counting this down. 
And we were so excited, you know, Wednesday we get there and, and we go downtown and we drive by, we're looking for, for parking. I hate city lot. Oh my goodness, why? I don't even know why people, I don't. I, I would, I just, oh. So we're driving by, we drive by to look at the easy, you know, parking first, it's, it's gone. We're not worried. We had tickets in the balcony, which was assigned seating. We was not going to stand on the floor. And, but as we drive by the theater, Brittany's like, okay, we're going to pull around and see if there's anything behind the theater. And as we drive by, I'm noticing, because people are already lying in the streets waiting to get in. And I just said, oh, Brittany, I don't think anybody was my age back there. And she was like, oh, Mom, it'll be all right, it'll be all right, you know. We go, we find a, a parking space. I, I thought my daughter was going to have some road rage on some Texas girls. It, it was crazy. We, we walk around, though, and I'm, I'm examining this line of people, and I said, Brittany, there's nobody my age here. I said, are you sure, are you sure I should be here? And she's like, Mom, it's okay, you know. And I was like... I said, why is there nobody my age here? You know, because she and I, we, we kind of wondered. He is on Air One. If you listen to Air One music, you, you may have, you know, heard he's got a, a song with Ellie Holcomb. And, you know, so maybe you've heard him. But, you know, I was like, why? I just don't know why more people don't know about it. And she's like, well, these are the young people on TikTok. And I said, oh, these are my people. But no, I'm standing there in line, guys. I, I really am. I'm, I'm a little, I said, am I embarrassing you? to be here? And she said, no, mom. She said, now, if I was scoping for guys, that would be a different, but I got a boyfriend, so we're good. <laughs> okay. And I'm literally, as we're standing in line, I'm really looking at people. I'm looking for gray hair. I'm like, there's got to be somebody else, you know? And then there was, there was a few, and I ain't kidding you, there was just a few, and, and most of them were up in the balcony. Me and Brittany kind of regret it sitting in the balcony. We were wishing we were on the floor. Because then I'm also going, these are the parents that drop their kids off. And the kids are on the floor and the parents are just waiting it out. And I'm like, I'm not one of those. Like, I'm here because I love the music, right? So I get over that, you know, and, and it's so funny. We were actually connecting with people sitting in front of us. They're from, she works at Life Church. I'm like, hey, you hiring any graphic design? I got a kid fixing to graduate. She's like, yeah, look it up on the website, and I'm texting Alex, hey, look at Life Church, you know, he's like, mom, what do you do? And I said, I'm just connecting for you, son, I'm just connected. So I was a little, you know, put off a little bit, I'm like, I am like old to be here. But there came a part in that service, because this is a crowd, like, I've, I've been to a ton of concerts, this was the best one I've ever been to. And these kids, they know these songs. We're singing together. I've got video, me and Brittany, we're singing. And there was one special song, Adonai, that when he sang that, I just start to cry. Because I'm like, I'm in a room full of millennials and Gen Z. And we're worshiping the same God. So church, let me tell you, it feels dark when we look around and we don't have a lot of millennials and Gen Z, and we think, oh, they just say, they don't believe in Jesus. Yeah, they do. We have a generation that loves Jesus. They just do things a little different. Their music's a little different. 
They dress a lot different. <laughs> no, they don't. They're, they're wearing things we wore back in the 80s, you know? But do, do you get what I'm saying? We've spent so much time. I'm in a class right now, and we're talking about millennials. And, you know, I said, we need to make sure we really define what we're trying to do here. Because, you know, Tolkien has a um, quote you probably have seen it a lot. You didn't even know maybe he wrote this, but not all who wander are lost. Because I'm in a packed room full of millennials and Gen Z worshiping God to the point I'm in tears. And we do have a huge disconnect. They don't want to do it our way. We don't want to do it their way. There is a disconnect. But make sure you know the difference. It's not that they don't know Jesus. See, we, we keep saying we just got to reach them. We got to reach them. We got to evangelize them. No, what you're really wanting to do is conform them. If you'll dress a certain way and show up at a certain time with us and, you know, come in and, and, and do it our way. Instead of, let's find the common ground. We serve the same God. And then, like Scott talked to us yesterday, then let's walk beside them. And just grow with them. And change a little bit. Because see, the disciples could have gave up on Thomas when he didn't understand what they shared. But for eight days they walked until his experience changed his life. I want us to learn to walk with our, our younger people. And how do we do that? Like, how do, we, how do we pray for people that are so disconnected that are behind those locked doors? I shared a couple Wednesdays ago, Colossians 1.9, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Make a note of that. Colossians 1.9, it gives you three very specific things to pray for your friends and your families and people that God has laid on your heart. Because he tells you to pray for complete knowledge of his will in their life, to, to give them spiritual wisdom. Because sometimes uh, we know God's word, but we lack spiritual wisdom of what it really means. And to pray to give them understanding. So I'll just use my kids. We have some things that we differ on on what we believe and how we are studying when we study the word. So I've begun to pray this over my kids and over myself. Because the moment we think we've got it figured out, it's like going back to square one, folks. Because we all, no matter what age we are, we should be learning and growing. And that was that moment, sitting in that theater. We've been praying for revival, have we not? I saw it in that theater Wednesday night. There is a generation that loves 
Jesus. But God, give us all the complete knowledge of your will in our lives. God, give us all spiritual wisdom to figure out how we connect together as the body of Christ. I shared with a, a young person the other day, I said, the answer is not leaving the church. We need you in the church. Well, we want to see change. Then come be the change. Because we are all the body of Christ. And it takes more courage to stay than it does to leave a church. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's still making himself known behind the locked doors. Almost everyone in this room stood up. Which tells me you know somebody that needs to know Jesus. And maybe you've shared your testimony and it didn't go anywhere. They need their own experience. Begin to pray that they will soften their heart to be able to experience Jesus when he shows up. That he'll hear his voice. You know, today, maybe that's you. Maybe you've been behind the locked door. Ah, I know what mom and grandma has always said, but I just don't think it's true for me. Maybe it's you today that Jesus is nudging you telling you I'm here, my child. Maybe something in this sermon resonates with something that you've prayed and you felt like God was listening. And you need to come forward today. And you need to accept Jesus. You need, maybe you're like, well, I did back when I was seven. I knew Jesus. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Because, you know, with my story, I came to know Jesus at a young age, but it took many years for me to come to a place of sanctification where I said, God, I, I have to give you everything because I'm not doing it. I'm not living the right way. You see, I got saved, I got my ticket to heaven, and I just kept doing my life. But see, God wants more. It's a relationship that continues to grow from the moment you accept Christ. I just don't want to get all serious and, you know, I know the church says we don't drink, we don't do that. I don't worry about what the church says. I worry about what Jesus Christ says in your life. I worry about what he's been nudging you. Because it's not what I believe. It's not even what's in my manual. It's what God is speaking to your heart of what he wants from you. First of all, he just wants your heart. Today is the day of salvation. We're not guaranteed the tomorrows. So I don't want you to leave here unless you know that you know that you know Jesus. And then I want you to pray for your friends and your family that are behind those locked doors. Stand with me this morning, church. I don't know, Amy Jo, if you're, you can pop something on. But I want us to pray today for Jesus to appear behind the locked doors of our friends and our families. The places that we feel hopeless in. That we feel like, oh, God can't ever get through. Don't ever say that about anybody. If they're breathing, there's hope. These altars are open. Bring your friends and your family and lay them at the altar and say, God, I, I know I've been trying to micromanage this, but today I'm going to trust you.
because you are the same that you was at that moment when you appeared to Thomas I know you can appear to my family God I know that you can make them understand that the path their own is leading to destruction maybe it's you yourself that needs at this altar this morning God I, I don't know how I'm, I'm living right now I don't think it's what you want I'm, I'm feeling the nudge and God I, I just I want to surrender remember that word surrender Maybe that's what you need this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, and I just pray that your word right now in the Spirit will have his way in this room. I don't want to leave this place, Lord, until we know for sure that every heart is right with you. So, Father, for the person that needs to step forward that says, I need Jesus this morning, let them come. Father, for our friends and our family, right now, let us be praying by name for that person. And God, we're going we're gonna to trust that you will appear behind the locked doors. That God, wherever they are right now, they will begin to feel that nudge. Whatever they've been praying, Lord, they will, they will begin to hear those words repeated back to them. To know that you are listening. Father, I pray for every person in this room because I know we've all had those moments where you've nudged us and man, it was just too awkward. We didn't want to get embarrassed. We didn't want to embarrass them. So we didn't do anything. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for missing the moment that you wanted to speak to that person. And God, may our hearts and our souls be quickened to listen now. Not just for our family and friends, but God, may we be instruments to others. Just as we hope someone will reach our family, may we be instruments to reach others' families. Lord, I I thank you for this week, what I did see. And I know that there is a generation that loves Jesus. It looks different. But I know that they love you wholeheartedly. And I pray, Lord, maybe they do need some discipling, but God, that's in your timing, not mine. So God, I trust you with my kids. I trust you with their friends that we've been praying for. And I pray that just as you changed Thomas's life, you will change theirs. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for my life. Thank you that I am different than what I could have been. And thank you that you're not finished with me yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, have a beautiful day. And go be a blessing to somebody today. Tell them that God loves them and that you love them as well. Have a great day. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.